This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, y'all, what's going on? Welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Hoop. I promise you, we will not disappoint. Uh, <laughs> oh, co-host, Jay Mapes, a.k.a. Coach Mabel's here with Kings. Yeah, man. We, we, we got a few fun things we're going to dig down in, in, in NBA history. We got that point in the season where everybody's kind of gearing up for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, kind of that low. We're going to talk about a little bit of NBA history, talk about, you know, potential some young guys going forward. But first – we have to discuss what in the world happened on Saturday. I'm a little upset. I was at a family uh, birthday party, so I did not get to witness it live and get to go over, go into the timeline shenanigans with everybody else. But the Lakers absolutely beat down the Brooklyn Nets without AD or LeBron, uh, 126-101. No West, no Coos. No West, no Coos, no, no Bronco AD. Drummond goes 20 and 11. Uh, Schroeder, 19 and 4. We'll definitely get into what he was into uh, <laughs> in a few minutes. He had that, he had that uh, in the half, y'all. One half. Yeah, Keith, 6 out of 8 for 14 points. Just really an all around uh, team effort. Uh, ben McLemore burned the building down the second half. <laughs> oh, man. It was just, uh, it was crazy, man. Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, four for 16, but 11 assists, 14 points, and actually played some good defense. It was just a lot of positives uh, for the Lakers. Kings, I'm going to let you take it away, man. Initial takeaways before we get rolling. Go ahead, man. Let them have it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Y'all, y'all was trying to dance on my grave, man. <laughs> I, I, I know I know y'all had them, them tweets saved in the drafts, man. I know y'all was mad by halftime. See, the thing was, by halftime, I had already won, bro. Like, Dennis had 19, Kyrie had 18, and he had the bad back. So I already had the injury excuse. So it didn't matter what was going to happen in the second half. I, I had already got my agenda across. <laughs> but, boy, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. I'm sorry. 35V, bro, that was pathetic. That was embarrassing. I know y'all had the heat in the drafts, but you're going to have to keep that for, for another few months, hopefully, if you make it to the finals, you feel me? <laughs> yeah, man, that's just that – we got we to gotta attack this from, from a couple friends, man. Uh, I think, you know, when you talk about players for defensive defense, – all defensive teams, consideration, they have to have these signature games. I think this was probably that one for, for Dennis, where you got to start taking it seriously right now to put him on an all-defensive team. Yep. Really making it rough for Kyrie so much to the point. You know, there there are other obviously I'm not going to, you know, come at Kyrie from a moral standpoint. It felt like he felt like Dennis crossed the line with the with the word he said. You know, the right. N word. Uh 
but it it definitely looked like the way Dennis was guarding him was frustrating him. Like it had already they had already got gotten to a little you know you know spat contest talking back and forth before it even got to that point. So just talk about what you what you thought about from Dennis and how he defended you know the best ball handler in the NBA pretty much uh, on, on Saturday. What do you think about that? Man, it was it was it was great because you know with Kyrie, you know, like I said, you can't really lock him up because right. he's such a talented guy, he's such a crafty guy, and he has a good IQ. But you go, you you have to make it tough. And uh, and I tweeted this during the game, so it's not something that you know I just said afterwards. I tweeted this during the game. Kyrie was definitely hunting <clears throat> screens. You know what I'm saying? And like. You know, obviously that's the game plan. That's Kyrie was smart. You know, he wasn't trying to make it kind of a personal battle, really. He wanted to run the offense. But what does that tell you that one of the best ISO players we have in this league was not trying to ISO Dennis Schroeder? Right. I mean, it's not like Kyrie was shying away from ISOs. When he had THT on him, he was definitely looking for 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 that ISO. When he had Caruso on him, he tested Caruso a few times, and actually Caruso was – held his own for a few of those times, and he started trying to screen off Caruso to try and get, you know, better looks, get the better flow of the offense. But what does it show you that you're known as one of the most supreme ISO players you can get buckets on anybody, and you weren't trying to actually actively dance right. somebody who was guarding you? That's a win for Dennis Schroeder. That's a win because now you're getting – you're making Kyrie have to make reads. You're making Kyrie have to, you know, run offense. You know, Kyrie is a great – scorer and a great secondary facilitator. He's not somebody that you want being a primary facilitator. I was just going to go to that point. I was just going to yeah. go to that point. And that gets into the whole point of how valuable James Harden is to that team and why he's the MVP for that team. You don't want Kyrie being the primary initiator. And when by Dennis Shooter forcing Kyrie to run offense and to make plays for other people, they pretty much win the battle. That on that in that one on one opportunity, I mean, Kyrie only had one shot on Dennis Schroeder. That's that's not a win for Kyrie, you know, in that situation. If your primary matchup is on you and you only have one shot on him, that's not a win for you as a player. You know what I mean? That means you're not trying to take him off the dribble. And then on the other hand, Dennis Schroeder, since he's you know Kyrie's trying to switch him off, Dennis Schroeder now has energy to attack their defense, their switch scheme. So it was a statement game for Dennis. It was a statement game for the Lakers. They came in against the Nets that had Kyrie and KD. And they 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 strapped them up, man. I mean, right. they, they held them to a hundred points. They're the number one defense in the league. There's no question. This is a special defense we're watching. It's absolutely no question asked. And there is no way this team that has the number one defense all year is not going to have at least two All NBA defenders. I'm sorry, you have to have LeBron. You have to have Dennis and All NBA defensive teams. This it's it's a special. What we're seeing is great. I mean. Who are you going to chalk it up to? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. Guys who pop out are Dennis and, and LeBron and Caruso. The Caruso factor, you're not going to give him because he's off the bench. He doesn't play that much minutes. I get that. Okay. But De- LeBron and Dennis, you have to reward this. This is the number one defense all year. All year. They've literally never fallen off. Like, yeah, some of that, too. I, I also want to give Vogel some credit. His, his okay, absolutely. Yeah, I got it. But the, the Lakers do um, – have a lot of defensive talent, like not just that guys who are willing to buy in and play defense. I think the guys understand that when LeBron and AD are there, they are going to have the ball majority of the time. So your path to getting on the floor is locking up. And I think the most of the roster has accepted that. And I think that makes them deadly defensively. 
and it was just uh, that that was special to watch on on the replay. I, I didn't see a lot while I watched the replay. It was special to watch. Um, gotta go on the you know the second AD Andre Drummond, man, twenty and eleven. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. He had a he had he had he had Ricky G crip walking on the timeline, man. Ricky <laughs> <laughs> was taking victory laps, bro. Yeah, uh, like uh, I said, uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't want to ignore what I saw from Drummond the last you know couple of years, but I do want to give you know bow my head to people who said, you know what, let's see if he does better in a different situation. The physical tools are there. Uh, that game was definitely evidence of that. He was locked in. Body in Lamarcus Aldridge, who had been a very good pickup for the Nets uh, to that point, and he just uh, he manned the inside pretty much, man, with the Gasol unavailable uh, due to injury, and probably wouldn't have played anyway because of the, the way the matchup was. But yeah, Drummond, talk, let's talk about uh, Drummond a little. What would you see from Drummond? Man, I I did not know he could switch like that, bro. That yeah, that was that the, was good. That was good. That changes the whole dynamic for Andre Drummond because. Like when, I think when I was talking to one of my mutuals, uh, he was we talked about how he has good feet, and that theoretically because he's so nimble, he should be a good pick and roll big because he should be able to switch and stay on the printer. But up to that point, he hadn't really been able to un- un- unlock that aspect. But these past two games, I'm talking about Miami and uh, you know Brooklyn. I mean, he's done a great job going on KD, on Kyrie, going on Jimmy, uh, on uh, Vic. I mean, Jimmy and Vic got, you know, some shots over him and hit some contested shots, but they were contested. You know, Andre didn't look out of place. He was on, you know, he was mirroring them pretty well. He did the same thing with Kyrie. And I noticed Andre really bothered uh, KD a little bit. You know, KD's kind of rusty, obviously. But that, you know, Andre being able to, you know, be quick enough to contest KD's shot, obviously he's big enough to actually bother KD's shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also big enough to that point where KD can't just, like, you know, use his length to finish over him on a drive, you know, and whatnot. So, you know, he was really just making an impact with his physical tools. And that switching, man, like, I want Gasol to play on specific matchups. But if Drummond is switching like that, it's hard to keep It's hard to keep them off the floor, bro. Because, right, right, right. We, we, you know, we, we always got to be able to, you know, adjust to new information. New information, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know how playoff defense is. Playoff defense is you got to be able to switch. You got to be able to be, you know, rebound inside. And you got to be able to get physical and, and uh, box out because, it's, you know, you're going to be – these guys going to be, you know, going ISO. You know, it's going to be – every possession matters. And Drummond being able to do, get the rebounding and the switching, that is something I did not expect at all. And that just gives a whole added dimension to what the Lakers want to do come playoff time. I, I I'm going to have to keep watching Drummond going forward, but it's a lot they can do. If he's able to switch like that, it's a lot they can do. Yeah, it's going to be said like when a guy, you know, new situation and being locked in with opportunity to win a championship opposed to being, you know, he's been in Detroit and Cleveland his entire career. Like those, you know, those franchises aren't, you know, <laughs> aren't known. Right. Cleveland outside of LeBron 10 years been pretty much, you know, uh, uh, a bottom tier franchise. So maybe – the, the new environment has definitely helped him. And I'm sure LeBron and, and AD have been in his ear, you know, telling him the opportunity that he has here. Uh, last thing, the thing, one thing we both have been clamoring for is uh, some shooting insurance. And boy, mm-hmm. did uh, McLemore did not disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing for me was not the shot, it's, the, it's him not hesitating. Yes. He has a look. One. It was like, this is going up. There's no hesitation. I think from mm-hmm. – 
from KCP, I've seen slight hesitation sometimes when he, you know, is not comfortable or he's not making shots that night. Uh, ben will not – I don't think Ben will ever, is ever going to care. If he's open, and I think that even makes defenses think twice about, you know, helping and rotating up because they know it's going to go up regardless. So talk about what you, you know, see from Ben going forward, even with, you know, Wesley and KCP, you know, playing a similar position. He's like the new age uh, second stint JR. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like he has no he has no concern about getting that shot up, and that's what they needed because, look, I, I, I people saw my tweet about it. When he was missing shots in the first half, I was like, he's going to have a big second half. And I said that because the way he was shooting, bro, I'm talking about he had he got the ball and it was going up. He got the ball of DHOs. You know how Lakers get the ball of DHOs and it's uncertainty what they want to do? Ben was get the ball, try to shoot. Oh, you're on me? Pass it back. Oh, relocate. Give me the ball back so I can get up. He, like, he was trying right. to get this fast. <laughs> His whole thought process was, man, I need to get this three up. And, like, that's what they need. Because, like, Dennis, if you don't remember, if you don't forget, I mean, if you, if you can remember, Dennis at the trade deadline when AD and Brown went down, what did he say? He said, we got to shoot more threes. Because right, Dennis right, right, knew right. to open up the driving lanes to get easier buckets, they can't be – and to get the DHO game going, they can't hesitate on their threes. They got to put it up, whether it's going in or not, because it's also going to get them in a rhythm to where they start making it. And then it also helped – you know, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Ben, you know, uh, shout-out to, you know, Kevin Durant mama and, and his brother Tony, you know, they were talking <laughs> – to Ben, so when he got high, he started. You started pointing at him every time the three went in. Like it's just good to have a play with that confidence where he's gonna feed off the crowd like that. Like that's such a great thing to have, especially going to playoffs. Knowing it's gonna be fans coming back, they're gonna be ready to be hostile, and you have a guy like that who's gonna feed off that. He's gonna feed off that environment. He's gonna perform when people are talking. Like that's just such a like you see with KCP now that Ben's there. Like even KCP's not hesitating no more. It's like, yeah, all right, that's, we gotta that's, get that's, that's, that's those minutes disappearing if you don't step up. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, he's, like, he's like, man, I got to get this up because I don't – I know they're going to get this up. You know what I mean? It's right, like, right, right, right. Not everybody got to maximize their opportunity because it's talented guys on that roster. Man, it was just beautiful to watch. Like you said, it was a team effort. You know, double digits from Keith, double digits from, you know, uh, THT, double digits from Drummond, double digits from Dennis, double digits from uh, uh, Ben. Uh, even Caruso was looking good offensively. He was hitting threes off the bounce. Uh, it's just so much great play by the Lakers yesterday. It really spoke to the depth that we set. Like we told everybody, this team is clearly better than last year's team. I was just going there. I was just going to go there. People forget the injuries trick people, but this is a better they basketball just, team than last year. They, yeah, They trick people. People were literally mad that Den- Dennis didn't beat the Heat being the only guard and TSG being out and him getting zoned by Spo. They were really <laughs> mad he looked bad. Like, bro, LeBron couldn't beat the Heat without Dennis and AD. You want Dennis to now make magic when right. the Heat have everybody plus Vicker, Oladipo, and Trevor Reza? Now, now, now the guy that LeBron, you know, the all-time great who was struggling, now this role player is supposed to do what he couldn't do. And, and now you have – then you have all types of – then you have people saying all types of nonsense like Rondo – would have won if Rondo was there as a regular season. Rondo actually cares to show up like half the time. Like, come on, bro. So I was just happy when this game happened. Literally everybody, I, I knew this was going to happen. Like, I knew everybody who was running their mouth against the Heat was going to look dumb because they don't understand scheme. 
They'll understand scheme. They'll understand game planning. Spo game plan to take Schroeder out the game because he knew THT wasn't playing. He was the only ball handler. He's like, we're going to load up. We're going to make you pass the ball. So he took him out the game. He made him shoot terribly, but Schroeder tried to keep him in getting assists. This game, I knew Schroeder was going to be explosive. I told people all year, when you switch everything, right, you better be able to sit down. Claxton has done a great job sitting on all types of premium fake play. I mean, he made Fox look bad. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. But Dennis Schroeder is what you call a first-step Hall of Famer. <laughs> first-step, <laughs> yes. Hall of Famer, you know. Got that, he got that quick first-step Hall of Fame badge on 2 Hall of Fame badge <laughs> on the first step. Bron James is one of the CEOs of the first step. You know what I mean? Like, you, you – that first step is so bad. Like, Claxton was doing that thing where with Biggs where it's like, okay, I'm bigger than you, so I'm going to bait you in. I'm going to buck you at the rim. But when he let Dennis go by, he just – it's like he underestimated how fast he was. By the time Dennis went by, he was already at the rim, and Claxton couldn't even recover. Like, that's just too fast right. for a big to stick one-on-one. Like, you're going to have to collapse. So, with the Nets, it's like they can't stop shooter one-on-one. Like, let's be honest here. They're not going to be able to stop him one-on-one. The key to making sure to look bad, because he's small, if you have rim protection, if you have good, you know, paint presence, you're going to be able to make him bad because he can't finish over trees like that. But the rim, the, the Nets don't have good rim protection. Right. They're not, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're living with the switch perimeter defense. So if you're not going to be able to stay in the front of a guy like that, you have no rim protection to back, you're going to look bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the, really, the whole Nets strategy on the Lakers is to really pack the paint and just hope everyone's missing. Like, that's really all they can do. Because right. they can't stop LeBron. You can't stop Dennis from getting to the rim. You couldn't even stop THT from getting to the rim. Like, literally, they have to pack the paint on the Lakers and hope everyone misses. Like, people got fooled because Dennis wasn't there the last game. People got fooled into thinking that, obviously, they had Harden, so their offense was definitely a little more – you know, there's definitely, definitely better and more structured. Uh, I think people got fooled into thinking the Nets were some were superior to the Lakers, you know, in like, uh, oh, man, the Lakers, no way the Lakers can score with them. It's like, no, they can score. They have the switch busters. The switch, one of the switch busters was not playing. Right. And the other one was not playing. So it's like, obviously, you know, it, it, was, it was just Brian. And even Brian, he still got his, but everybody was breaking at the time as well, so it didn't look good. But the thing with reality is this. If the Lakers, if the role players are hitting their shots and they got more shooters now they have back there with Ben McElmore, they're hitting their shots. Look, the Nets cannot guard the Lakers. The Lakers are a bad matchup for the Nets because, as I told people, Lakers can guard the Nets. Nets cannot guard the Lakers. They can't guard Drummond, can't guard AD, can't guard LeBron James, can't guard Dennis Schroeder. The Lakers, yeah, you, you know, you have Kevin Durant, you have James Harden, you have Kyrie. Those guys are going to get theirs, absolutely. But the ne- Lakers can at least make them work, bro. Right. Like, I was gonna say, yeah, it's, 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 it's not – it's just tough. And it's funny, like, you kind of wish – you, you, you kind of wanted to see both these teams at full strength right. to get a real – it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy place. 
happy price, price line. Just to get a real look, but you can see the the principles of what you're talking about, about right. switching and matching up. You can see that potentially being an issue uh, for the Nets, especially if, if Drummond's going to stay at that level of play. Like, they couldn't play Drummond off the floor because he was able to switch. Like, that's right. a problem for them. That's a problem because now you can't, like somebody said, which one of the Nets fans said, you can't hide a guard on Drummond like you did on Gasol now because Drummond is going to make you pay in the, in the in the paint and on the on the glass, and he's switching on on the outside, so you can't really hunt him like you did this also. Yeah. It, it, it's, I don't know, this this game showed me a lot, but at the end of the day, it wasn't full health, so I'm not going to take too much, but it was a lot that I liked in the Lakers' favor going forward. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Let's let's switch over to the Nets here a little bit. Um, I have been holding on by a pinky at the edge of the cliff to the my 76ers <laughs> pick. Um, and part of that, like as I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm like, look, man, if Andre Drummond is able to control the pain like this, I feel like MB is going to be able to, to have his way. On the other end, um, a lot is going to be on Ben Simmons, man. I know yeah. that's who they're going to make. Yeah. Uh, Philly has – they have the, they always keep a minimum of three shooters on the floor can really knock it down. Uh, they they uh, keep the floor spaced for those two guys as much as possible. It's the most spacing they've ever had. So, so I'm sticking with Philly. But did anything you see – I know you uh, – you know, still kind of on the bucks. Mm-hmm. Anything you see that game, but what, what Drummond did to make you think about Philly getting any big push from somebody else in the East before they get to the finals or if they even get there at all? Yeah, man, for the Nets, it's, um, yeah, it basically showed me if you're a big who's super physically inside and you can switch, man, you're going to make their life a living hell. Uh, and it, it really it really boosts what the Bucks can do because of, you know when they play Giannis at that five, yes, um, and that's gonna be big for him to be able to have Giannis at the five, and uh, and then now you have PJ Tucker as well who's gonna be a a good big for you. Portis is also a switchable big as well. They just they, have, just, they, they, they can't play Brook Lopez that series, man. They just they can't. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, you can't <laughs> play Brook Lopez. That he's gonna have to sit down. But if you have a good switchable big, and that's my issue with Joe Embiid, how good is Embiid switching? Because he's gonna be tested on the perimeter. Um, that's that's gonna be the key. If he can hold his own, then he's gonna be able to punish the next very badly. If not, then you add like I said, you're asking a lot on Ben Simmons. You're asking a lot on him on both ends because he's the primary initiator and he's going to be asked to do a lot defensively. Um, I'm I, Look, I don't know how much I can trust Ben Simmons <laughs> and Tobias Harris, bro. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, it's hard for me. I, I, need I, to I, see I believe in Tobias more than Ben from a scoring standpoint. Yeah, from a scoring, I think he'll score on the Nets, but defensively, uh, I, I have to see. The thing is, Tobias. Tobias. Thing is, Tobias. He's decent against wings, 
But the thing mm-hmm. is, it's going to be guarding guards because if you have to switch everything, so that's the only thing I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, man, I just I, – I saw what Jumbo was able to do. I just – you get beat on the block. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just the Nets don't have anything for him. And if they end up playing DeAndre Jordan, that plays right into the, the Sixers here anyway. It takes a – they can't spread the floor like they really want to. So it's going to be really interesting to see, man, going forward. That, that was a – a very enlightening game. It was. was you, you did. You did learn. I think you learned uh, a few things. But you know, think, go ahead. Go ahead. Take-away, I think the biggest takeaway people need to take from the Nets, and it's, look, look, you know, what I'm saying, look, we're not, we're not here to, um, you know, act like the Nets aren't elite still, or you know, they're not a big. They're obviously they're still a very, very favorable title contender. Yeah, I mean, they're um, t- they're 24 and seven when Harden plays. So you know, yeah, they're, they're legit. you know what I'm saying. Legit, but you know, I think a lot of people and got stuck into this mindset that the Nets were just gonna run through everybody. And like I told people, who at the end of the day is a matchup game. No matter how many stars you have and whatnot, five, it's five on five. If the matchup makes sense for the other team, they're always gonna be in it. That's just what's gonna happen. So there's not they're not gonna be going four zero. They don't have the Golden State Warriors defense of 2017. Right. They had Curry, Thompson, Andre Iguodala, and Draymond Green to throw on people while Curry and KD could do whatever they want. They don't have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have that type of ability, you know? So they're going to have to really outscore teams every time. And that is just not a formula of dominance come postseason because everything's slower. You saw what the Lakers did this game. They slowed the game down. You know what I'm saying? They made it a half-court game. They didn't try to go up and down, try to outgun it. They made a, a half-court game. McKinney was crashing the glass. Drummond crashing the glass. They really just said, you know, we're going to pitch you up inside and slow the tempo down and make you have to work every possession. And and, and that's what teams are going to do in the playoffs. So it's like, like you're not going to run through teams in the playoffs, bro, unless you really just have everything locked up both ends. And, and everything's just perfect. Like, right, right, right. Exactly. Possible, exactly. Bro. Even Kobe and Shaq, when they almost, when they ran through the almighty West, you know what I'm saying? 4-0, 4-0, AI had 50, and next thing you know, they lost one. You know what I'm saying? It's just like. It's going to happen. Something's going to, you know what I mean? If you have, it's just, you never know in the NBA, bro. These are NBA players. Like I said, if the matchup is there, you, you know what I'm saying? Things happen in the series. Right. And next thing you know, it's a six-game series. Yeah, and last thing before we move on, um, KD's just back, so I don't want to put too much yeah. into it, but it just it doesn't look the same, quite the burst. So what do, you, do you think we just give him, to give him more time, or that's something we need to look out I for told, going forward? I told Dre, too, because Dre was mad when I was like, yeah, we took out their best weapon. And, you know, I'm saying he was like, Katie's, he's giving me Katie step. Like, like, bro, watch the game. This dude is rusty. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay. Passes. You know what I'm saying? He's he's missing some shots that he would normally make. Like, some of those misses he had, I, I for sure thought they were going in. I was like, wow, you missed that. You know what I mean? Like, come on, dude, he's rusty. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's rusty. He still has to work his way in, back in the game, you know, back in the flow again to form. So it's like, you know, I'm not going to put too much into how Katie looked because even I knew he was rusty. So, right, right, you know right. What I'm I just thought he'd be good enough to, you know, to not get run off the floor by Taylor Horn. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it was the Lakers night last night. Right, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, the timeline was on fire. I was definitely 
fun catching the, the, the end of that. Um, moving on, had to get that out the way. Had to let you get the you know get 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 the smoke off. Um, so this is this MVP. It's a long season, long thing. We got to do our MVP check in. Um, are you guys starting to get the sense that uh, Jokic is kind of running away with this thing? Because I'm looking at the guys who are kind of playing at that level. Uh, LeBron's missed a lot of time, and B missed a lot yeah. of time. Uh, Steph team isn't very good, so we're not going to get consideration playing level team. Davis uh, hit a wall. Luke, he's hit a wall. Yeah, uh, Luca playing level team. I don't even know if he started off well enough to be even at the up there with those guys. Uh, Dame was actually playing injured. I saw you tweet about that. he's actually injured. They said before the yeah, game. Uh, yeah, I was just saying that yeah. he, hit, he hit a wall, bro. He, like, he's he's gotten he's gotten through a, a trying to fight through a hip injury because he knows if he doesn't play, they literally have no chance to win a game. So he's trying to. He may want to sit a week just to. Yeah, bro. He needs to sit. Like it's yeah, bad. He only took ten shots. He played thirty-seven minutes. Tonight. Yeah, it's just not. It's just. It's, he, they said he was limping. He was limping in the first quarter when I was watching. He was limping in the first quarter. And I was paying attention to it. Yeah, he. Needs to sit um, down, man. Yeah, so I'm going through all the, uh, you know. I guess Harden would kind of still be in it, depending on how much longer he's out. The thing is about Jokic, he's playing every night, so that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of separating him. From from the pack right now, he's out there every night. He rarely, rarely, if ever, uh, misses a game. I gotta give it to this. Like a lot of those Raptor and catchalls, uh, I know you're gonna roll your eyes, Kings. Oh, One man. guy in those is, is is Rudy Rudy Gobert, and I just oh, I, 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 I I can't go. I can't go. I honestly, I would give it to Mitchell before I give it to Rudy. It's just because I know when te- my thing is when teams play the Jazz, I know the first guy on the scouting report is Donovan Mitchell. So it's like, you know, I can't go with the all the catch And a lot of people would say they give it to Conley too. So I don't know, man. The, yeah, see, that's just like, it's hard. Um, yeah. People are debating the importance of Booker in in, in CP3 and those teams. Man, look, <laughs> this is this is so bad, bro. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, 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 what they're doing the Phoenix right now, they're just they're shafting Phoenix as a media, like. Right. They should have one of that Phoenix to have a legitimate MVP candidate. There's no reason why they don't have a legit MVP candidate right now. Like they're really just trying to shaft Phoenix right now. I want to apologize to the you know to the Valley Boys and, and the Phoenix Sun fan base, bro. The media is screwing y'all right now because <laughs> yeah. they really I, I don't know why they're not giving you know it's like, it's like CP3 doesn't have the stats. So they can't make him the candidate, and Booker has the stats, but CP3 has his impact and metrics. That's obviously not something you can overlook. Right. So it's like, and they don't. And there's some weird thing going on with Booker where they don't believe he's at a certain level of play. So like, they don't want to make him an MVP candidate. It's it's weird. It's just weird. And then the Clippers, same thing. Kawhi and missed too much time. Yeah. PG missed too much time, even though they're still high up. The and they're punishing like, them from last year. So, they are fighting narratives. I get it. They are fighting uh, narratives. So, it's jokies by default, man. Like, I, say, yeah. it's it's kind of annoying thinking about it because if LeBron was healthy, he really would have won the MVP. Like, yeah, he really would. He really would have. And the thing with LeBron, really now, so, so he's out three more weeks from Sunday, so that pushes him all the way to almost May. So. Yeah, he oh, really yeah, would have won the MVP had he stayed healthy. Like it was really his to lose, and he, the injury happened. And now Jokic, like it's him by default. Like he, he has the great numbers. His team is winning, playing at a high level. Um, you know, 
it's like, what can you do? He's been there every game. Like that's what I said. Yeah, he just he's a hard hat every night. And uh, they took a, they took their first loss with actually it was a wild loss. They they were dominating the game yeah, all the way through, and then they got out of score forty to eight to close the game. And it was weird. I got to give Brad Stevens credit. The adjustment was he put Tatum on uh on Jokic. Yeah, <laughs> he got desperate. You saw you saw you saw Reese screaming attack Jokic. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'm not mad. I mean, Yogi just having an incredible year, man. It's probably the Absolutely. best offensive, uh, offensive uh, season from a center we've seen since probably Shaq in his prime. If I'm man, special year for him. If I'm not uh, you know, getting anybody, so yeah, man, I think we both agree. Yogi is probably the guy right now, barring some crazy yeah. spurt from one of the, from other teams. Like everybody, everybody has a negative against them, whether it be injury or media. In the case of Harden, Book and Kawhi injury for Embiid and LeBron. It's like, yeah, man, what can you do? <laughs> right. All right. So we we, we gonna do we'll finish out. We gonna project forward into the future a little bit, and then we gonna finish out with looking back and uh, you know having a little barbershop talk. So ESPN released their uh, top twenty five players under 25 as far as what mm. their ceilings will be at the peak and they rank them for the 25. Uh, we're just going to do our top 10 and then we'll talk about a little bit. ESPN's top 10. Uh, there was SGA 1, SGA 10, Bam 9, mm. Booker 8, Simmons 7, De'Aaron Fox 6, Tatum 5, Mitchell 4, LaMelo 3, Zion 2, and uh, Luca number 1. So you got your 10? Yeah, man. I got to go with my 10. Yeah, so I'm going to say, so what I do is you'll go 10, I'll go 10. We'll talk about the 9 9. Is that cool? We got that. Yeah. We're going with that. So I'm, yeah. uh, my, my, my 10th yeah. guy uh, was Anthony Edwards, just uh, mm. from what I'm seeing. And this, I, I think his ceiling is incredible. Um, and I just, I just love his energy for the game. You can tell he's the type of guy that's going to put in work. His teammates love him. I think they're honestly going to end up – I think my opinion is he's going to end up being the alpha of that team and Cat's going to be kind of, a, you know, the, the, the second 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 option. But I think that's uh, – if, if I can gauge, I think that's kind of where Cat is more comfortable. If I'm, you know, my outside, not watching Timberwolves as much as you do uh, take. So I, I like Edwards, man. He's already got an NBA body. He's 19. Yeah. I think over the last month he's at 24 a game and the efficiency is up to like 46% shooting, 35% from three over the last month. Just the the, the this exponential growth and in a tough situation too. So you got to respect him going through the fire. So you got it, uh, ten. Okay, for ten, I gotta go with. Um, you know, I think I'm gonna go with Bam on this one. Okay. I got Bam at 10. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential defensively, and he's going to be really good offensively. I think he's going to be a constant 18 or 20 point guy with great defense. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be in that uh, top 20 area, uh, top 25 to top 20 area. He's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to be a really good pro, very impactful guy. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be like a star, but I just think he's just going to be a really good player. And he's gonna have a lot of impact despite not, you know, putting up necessarily star numbers. Right. And that was why I had him actually like he was my first cut or my last cut. So he's like a right. for me. 
But right, and I, get that. Thing, I think I don't want to say he's at a ceiling, but right. it's like you can't see him being like a franchise superstar, but you can see him being right. like number two or number three. So we're not too far off there. Um, number nine, I went Jalen Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the jump he's made this year. He probably wouldn't have made it last year, but you can get up to 25 a game in the league on good efficiency. Um, at age 23, that's that says a lot to me. Uh, and he's uh, he's not great off ball defensively, but he will guard you on the ball. So uh, I went with Jalen Brown at number nine. My cowboy had to rock with it. Who you got at nine? And nine, I'm gonna go ahead and say my, you know, my bias, my T Wolves bias, but you know, I like what he brings in personality and with his play right now. And yeah. I, like I, like you said, I just think he has a lot of potential to grow. I think the game is starting to slow down for him. People yes. were trying to say he was bad because he started off rough, and I don't think people understand. They these kids ain't have a training camp or a summer league. Thank you. Like just yes. that they were just flying with these rookies. I'm actually very impressed with what Lamelo and Ant and Wiseman have been able to do with no training camp, you know, no rookie season. Also, Halle Burton, you know, no no training camp really, no summer league to to develop their craft and get acclimated with the NBA. They got thrown into the fire. I mean, the draft was what November, and they was hooping with pros in December. Like right, you know, <laughs> like, come on, man, like. Like, for what these guys, kids have done this year, I think it's been fantastic. They think they've handled it pretty well. I think they'll be really good, you know, going going forward. All right. I think we're about to uh, start going a little fork in the road here. Uh, eight. Yeah. I, rock my, I have to put my son B.I. in there. I still believe. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, you know, you asked me about the defense. I have no rebuttal. Uh I've seen that he can play and he just won't. I think you said it a couple pods ago. Uh, there uh-huh. is so much on him and Zion for that team to be passable um, offensively. That is The defense is really taking a hit. But I will say this. The last um, 11 games him and Zion have played together, they are 8-3, and three, and their net rating is, is about 8.5, which is teetering on dominant. They're starting to uh, figure it out a little bit. So mm-hmm. hopefully that'll be a turn in the corner. But the defense has got to get better for me to put him any higher. But uh, I'll, did you see that spacing tweet that dropped? The one that went crazy yeah. about the spacing? Uh, I see. Yeah so, I <laughs> yeah, so I think Steph was the worst in the league by far with 5%. And then we had um, – Cap, your boy Cap was up there, and then we had eventually we had Bi at third or fourth in the NBA with the worst spacing in the NBA. So that is where we were. Bi eight, and he produced with bad spacing. I'm rocking with it, but he has to get better defensively. I told him if he don't get better defensively, I'm going to end up jumping off the train, man. So that's why he, that's why he's not on my man. Like he he's my cut at eleven. He's not on it for that reason. I don't like that regression. I think it's more of an effort thing. But I get why. Uh, he's still very talented and he can be here. But my number eight was a guy, his name wasn't on there when, when people asked about him, his percent was four. And he has. Oh, been, yeah. I, I know where you're going. SGA, man. That, man, just what he's been able to do, the leap he's taking in OKC right now with the terrible spacing. Uh, he's defending, scoring. He's efficient scoring. I think he, he he's scoring at, he's shooting at 50%. 50, uh, over 50% this year, 
I think for I think we said for all the guards, I think he rates out as like the best driver in the NBA. Like as far as with his drives, what they produce, like PPP wise. Yeah, he's like twenty four on fifty one percent. Yeah, his assists, man. <laughs> that type of spacing around him. Ooh, I mean, first year in the league, ten point eight. Second year, which was last year, nineteen. Now twenty four. Man, I don't know, man. People keep saying that. Well, PG's ready to win right now, but. <laughs> Man, why do I regret that one, man? If you can keep your <laughs> picks, if you can keep all your picks to get better and have SGA under his rookie contract, I mean, you you still getting bounced in the second round last year anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think <that'd> be... <laughs> right, right, so right. SGA, he's getting better every year. Now you have draft picks to get like a CP3. Now you could have had Kawhi, CP3, SGA, and depth. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. So yeah, that that was uh. Hey man, yeah. Like I, we all said it, man. I'm not going to get into that, but SGA, he's great. Well, somebody said, I think, that he'll be better than Paul George sooner than later. <laughs> it's looking like it's going to be sooner than later. Uh, that right, guy, is, that kid is special, man. Right. And the thing with um, with SGA, I think that playing with Chris Paul that year, I think it, it, just, it just sped up his development so much. You got to get a live – a live day-to-day class on how to be a point guard and a professional basketball player. I think it's remember remember when uh, remember when Nash played behind Kid or next to Kid those couple years, and then he blew up when he left. I think it's gonna be similar to that. Like you're gonna you're seeing that already. That's what I'm saying. I mean, look at his assists. His assists last year and his rookie year, both years, three point three. CP3 leaves, he's at six. Right. That's not, that's not, it's the same thing with Dennis, where it's like Dennis was had all the physical tools to be a great defender, and you know he could be a better playmaker, but he hadn't had honed it in. Now look at he's he's more he can he he still struggles you know keep you know, ball control, but he's he can make better reads and he knows how to gain people's shirt and use his feet. That's right. all from learning from the, from the point guard himself. You know, that's undertake, you know, being taken under his wing. SG and Dennis both absorbed a lot from CP3. And you see with Book, too. Book is now a better control playmaker. He's playing much better, smarter defense now yes. as well. Yes, it's, Look, man, CP3, he may not be a winner, but he's one of those guys like J-Kid, man, he just has impact. Like, he just has impact on the game impact on the team he just makes teams better interesting I was, I was talking to somebody like this offline i think that might be where cp3's ring comes from like the j kid route no it is i i look i said i told somebody he's gonna win a ring because he's yeah. so smart and he's so good as a point guard he's gonna go to a title contending team come off the bench and he's gonna be a bench playmaker for him and they're gonna go win the championship like that's that's his destiny at this point which is great for him he shows the type of career he's had that he's been good Every single year, right? So back on track. Yeah, number seven. Right. <sighs> I don't know why I keep doing this myself. Ben Simmons, man. I just I believe, <laughs> man. I believe, uh, man. I just, I just he's a he's a summer away. But I've been saying it for three years. That's my issue. <laughs> I actually have him, uh, man. I actually have him higher than you. So I yeah, guess so I, just, it's like, <laughs> I think as far as you know, taking into account maybe maybe the most versatile defensive player. Uh, you know, locking down one through four, still can be an engine to a you know offenses from a from a uh, play initiation standpoint. Uh, I just everybody has their own mental hurdles with stuff they have to learn in basketball game, but you see the leaps and the leaps and bounds other guys make with their shooting, 
namely Lonzo Ball comes to mind. And you think if Ben could just for one summer just okay yeah. lock in, shoot a thousand a day or five hundred a day, give me a, a renowned shooting coach and come back legit. And it just hasn't happened. But I just six six ten point guard, man, and you know, still some space to grow. It's it's hard for me to keep him out the ten, so I didn't there. So who you got at seven? Yeah, man, with seven, I'm going to go ahead and go with, with the guy that you already named. But I like a lot because two-way play, Jalen Brown, man. That's, yeah. that's uh, you know, you know, I, I'm just going to, you know, keep it with the, with the the on the hoop about him. <laughs> he's a he's a great defensive player. Um, he's a great scorer. Uh, he's efficient this year. Um, he just has all the tools to be a star wing. Um, he's definitely of the PG mold in the sense that he's a two-way star type of wing. Uh, that that's definitely his type of uh, impact. Um, will he be? I don't think he also has the mental barriers as PG has as well. So uh, you know, I just think Jalen Brown has a lot of potential to really be one of those star wings, complementary star wings that's gonna you know help to put a team over the top at some point. And I agree. You have to think at some point Boston's going to make the finals because I think they have two of the best young players at position of like of high need in this like switchable wings who can play both ends. Like that's what you want to build your team around. They got two really good ones. I'm sure we both got the other guy pretty high up on the list. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so interesting to see what Boston does with those two. Uh, at six, I went down to the Mitchell. Um it's this year he's really taken a lead for me, man, uh, especially the last couple months. Um, just the efficiency, the playmaking. A lot is going to be said for him in the playoffs this year. Uh, he played great in playoffs last year. He just happened to lose. Uh, but team in the first seed, leading scorer, I think he's the guy who try to stop when you when you uh, go against the Jazz. He's at six for me. I think he still has some space to grow. Um, size is a little worrisome for me. He's only 6'3", but – I just think that his athleticism, that ability to score at all three levels in the playmaking took a big jump for me uh, this year. So I went with Donnie at six. So you got a six. Yeah, actually, I don't have Donnie in my top ten. I just think for me, with him, um, he's a great volume scorer, um, score at all three levels. Um, playmaking got a little bit better. But uh, it's that thing with Brandon Ingram. I just feel like I haven't seen enough from D. Mitch in terms of um, two-way impact. Okay. That's my real thing because the Jazz are a, a really well-constructed team. Uh, even before D. Mitch was on the scene, they were, you know, competing for playoff spots. Right, right, right. You know, just Rudy Gobert and, like, a bunch of, you know, just solid role players. So, And now they not only do they have Mitch, they also have Conley who's back, Bohan, you know, is, a, is playing well, and then you have Clarkson who's going to be a six-man of the year. I think he's in a really good team in a really good position that spaces the floor for him. Um, he's scoring, you know, you know, averaging 26, but his efficiency being what it is with that type of spacing around him, um, I just think it's just he leaves, a, he leaves a lot to be desired. So for me, I have to leave him off. And I think for me, my sixth guy here, uh, and you probably have – you might have him higher. I, th- I think you have him higher, but I have to have him here at six. Lamelo, yeah. <laughs> six. Um, the reason why I have these certain guys above him 
uh, is because I like their physical tools more than him as of right yeah. now. That's until fair. he bulks up, um, he has a good height and length. But the the guys above him, I like their I like more of their physical tools more. But uh, yeah, okay. In terms in terms of the skill, uh, he's right up there with anybody in terms of skill and uh, reading the game. Uh, he has such a great feel for the game. He has great confidence. He enjoys playing basketball. Next level reads, you know what I'm saying? Already in his rookie season, better defender than people want to give him credit for. Um, yeah, I think the good like steel steals aren't a good uh, indicator, but deflections are because this is like yeah. a mark of activity. And he's like I think yeah. at the top of the league in deflections. So I think his feel for the game will turn him into at least a plus defender, if not elite. So I'm with you there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he has the tools with the plus, you know, with the deflections that shows activity off ball. Um, you know, I think with his size and his uh, athleticism, I think he can definitely be a good defender yeah. you know, in this league. Um, and, and he's a confident scorer. I think he'll definitely be a 20 to 25 points per game uh, uh, player in this league. I'm not sure he'll have enough dominance inside or enough dominance shooting to be like, you know, a 28, 30 guy. But I definitely think he will be a consistent 20 to 25 guy. And he's definitely going to be a double-digit assist player in this game right. for a long time. So I agree. And cool, cool, cool. All right. Five for me, uh, I went Devin Booker. Um, part of me was so happy for him this season because I, I think you, you – I was high on the Suns, but I, nobody was higher on the Suns that I've talked to than you. So I, I'll give you your flowers here. But to see him finally around a team that wasn't completely hapless, like – it's great to see him. You people can really see how good he of a basketball player he is. Um, he was kind of going the McGrady route, was like where he had to score so much. That's nice. all he had to, to keep him competitive. That's all he had to focus on. So he couldn't hone other parts of his game or show them off. But now we're seeing it: the playmaking mm-hmm. under control, more efficient, and uh, like I said, man, probably the closest thing we have in the league to a, a Kobe clone as far as his game at all three levels. So. Um, uh, I love it, man. Not a Kobe clone. Be respectful, Kobe disciple. Just Kobe disciple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I love it, man. He's even a little better defensively than I even you know thought. But like I said, having the energy to compete on that end, but you have to do every single thing offensively to keep your team right. in games. Um, I love it, man. Uh, so I got Booker five, man. I think he's gonna again. Those guys are gonna be able to play with Chris Paul and learn about you know being a professional, you know, working day to day and just learning the game. And I think they're going to win at least one playoff series. So that experience is going to catapult him even more as far as his development goes. So I got Booker at five. Who you got? Yeah, man, I love Book. I'll talk about him when I get to him for sure. <laughs> um, but five, man, I'm hanging on. It's like I want to put him off, but this guy just has all the physical tools, man. Ben Simmons, please. This guy has every physical tool you can imagine. Great handle, great athleticism, great speed, great strength. Great mental. IQ. Mental. Man, bro, just please, bro, please, please get a go-to move and get a jumper, please. You have the ability, bro. You have, it's not like – it's like he has the ability to do these things, I, yeah, this different. is my 
This is my right. last year. No, nah, because Philly has to do something in the playoffs. So this yeah. is my last year on, on, on Ben Simmons on having him do something. <laughs> Bro, you can't waste these physical gifts. So this is like one of the physical prospects we've had. If I had to go with the best physical prospect, this is probably – he's one of the – you know, he's a top five physical prospect, you know, in the last 20-some years or so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Like, he's a better physical prospect than Zion. He's a better physical prospect, you know, than uh, AD was. Like ben The height, the height and skill, yeah. The height and skill combination is crazy, but he literally just – I don't know what he did with his shot, man. But, <laughs> man, Colangelo did some weird stuff with Philly, bro, they – Oh man, but I'm man, please, just please, man, please. Yeah, just I, I'm, I'm with you, man. So the thing is, even if these numbers are, I think the the bottom line of all the stuff, like before we go forward, is it's a, the 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 amount of under twenty five talent in the NBA. It's crazy. If we we got guys, we got guys averaging twenty five a game who are not even in our ten, right? Yeah, like I had to leave Donovan Mitchell and Ben right. and Ingram off my list, bro. right? <laughs> right. So right. All right, number four, uh, I got to rock. I'm rocking with Jason Tatum. Uh, I came full 180 on that man. Uh, (laughs) For me, the handler wasn't there and the playmaking wasn't there for those years. But what I did always respect, he had a moxie for big moments. Right. Not being afraid. I don't think that's something you can really teach or you have to be acquired over experience. He had that early, which I think is – a mark of a, of a superstar, and I don't. I just I think Boston got rid of some pieces that probably could have helped them a little better than what they have. Like they miss Hayward, uh, they miss Rozier. Yep. So I think if they had those guys, he'd be a little better situation. But he's because I think he's having to play make too much, and it's not really a strength he has. He's something he's still learning. But as far as two way wings, I think he's a standard right now in the NBA. Mm-hmm. To be honest, as far as young guys, I mean, obviously LeBron. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George, those guys are going to be, you know, kind of our veterans. But as far as young two-way wings, I think he's probably the standard at this point in time. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But, yeah, Tatum's my number four, man. Yeah, my number four is a guy you talked about. Uh, I'm going to talk about now Devin Booker, man. Like, <laughs> man, he's doing a – man, he has, he has the tools now. Uh, playmate. At a, at a very, you know, at average to above average level, elite score can score all three levels. And, the, I mean, he can get to any of his spots. Now it's just yep. build your legacy. You know what I mean? That's what yep. it is for Devin Booker at this point because we have all the tools to be, you know, a Hall of Fame, mem- you know, legendary shooting guard. So now it's just time to go and uh, write the story for you, for your career. You know what I mean? That's just what it is for Devin Booker now. I mean, he has all the talent. He has the, the body to do it. He just has to go and get it, man. Uh, um, he's a, he's showing that he can win. You know, that was a challenge for Devin Booker for a lot of people had. You know, we know you can score. We know you're talented, but are you able to play winning basketball? He can play winning basketball. There's no no, no doubts about that. He can play winning basketball. Um, he's struggling in the clutch this year, but we know he has the ability to be able to hit clutch shots. That's yeah, not a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he just, you know, he needs to be better this year, but we know he can't. So playing both ways, scoring at elite level and winning, it's just now he just has to execute and 
try and get that ring and try and get that postseason success. I mean, he's at he's nearing that point like the the Giannis's, the Hardens, and he's young. It's just crazy. It's crazy, and I feel like it's unfair to him because he's still so young. But I feel like everyone already expects him to have a postseason success to his name already. I think before. you got to take it with him and certain other guys. You got to take into account who he played for, man. Phoenix was real right. bad. So James right. Jones was over, man. Right. Like, I, I feel like people need him to do what they want Harden and Giannis to do before they respect him. It's like, bro, he's not even 25 yet. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, like, like, relax. You know what I'm saying? Relax on the kid a little bit. He's going to have many opportunities to get there. So, right. I like the, the book. Right. I respect that. Number three, it for me, was LaMelo. Um, you, you probably you seen me since pre I saw the kid play at 15, and I, I was like, he is the best ball brother. Um, I saw him. I've been tracking him. I just finally seen him play. Like, I knew he would be good, but it surprised the hell out of me. And the reason he's up so through, if that shooting sticks, then he's a franchise player. Yes, absolutely. That was the one question, was the shooting going to – if that sticks. And for me, what I think we should have the rest of the league on the – he shoots like he's a 40% shooter. Like he shoots like he has it. Like the confidence is there. So that's where, for me, just the creativity, ability to get to the rim, the wiggle. Um, he makes everybody better. And the thing about players want to play with them. People are going to come to Charlotte because they know LaMelo is going to make them better. Yeah, I think that is ultimately going to raise his his ceiling as a player because it's going to give him more team success and just raise his profile for me personally. But I love it, man. I just, you know, that's <laughs> not to bag on, on Wiseman, but just the, the Warriors, man. Uh, I'm salty. I live in the Bay Area, so I probably would ban a lot of games, man. If they <laughs> People were asking, you know, people were tweeting, you know, why don't why don't people get on the T-Rules for not drafting LaMelo? One, because I don't think anyone wanted to see LaMelo on the T-Rules. I think that's <laughs> number one. And number two, number two, you know, everyone knew Ant-Man actually had talent to justify exactly. yeah. and you're seeing it now. You know, you're seeing it. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, I mean, you're seeing his personality too. He's a likable guy. He's a star type personality. Like, you know, no one's going to question T-Rules for taking Ant-Man because he's, we can see he's going to be a star player. Right. You have a star personality, but people aren't sold on, uh, you know, on Wiseman's future. He's a lot of raw ability. So, and to be fair to Wiseman, he has not been. He was not, but he injured first up to the big fella. First of all, get get better, man. That meniscus yeah, take care of that. Uh, I don't think he was being utilized uh, properly. He, he first of all, he's mobile and yes. can finish. So they they didn't have him pick and roll enough. They were posting him up a lot. I'm like, he's seven foot, two hundred and twenty pounds. You know, can't post him up. Uh, in, in the league at a higher right. frequency, it's like that's not gonna work. But I think they were trying to make him like a Bogut, and that's just not him at nineteen. Bogut was a you know four four year college guy, uh, knew how to pass, make reads. He's not he's not there yet, and they're trying. I think they tried to force him into that instead of you know playing his strengths and making him comfortable first. So he looked a lot worse than what he was. So that's that's just my you know quick take on why and why. But yeah, man, Lamelo. It's my guy. I'm rocking with it. You know, LeVar never lost. Uh, who you got at number three? Yeah, man. For me, number three, I got um, – it's going to shock some people. Here we go. 
But uh, when one and two, that's because I see a lot of eerie similarities to uh, the original, original, the original two. But for three right now, um, I got the phenom, and I think these three, I think these three in general are going to define the next era of basketball. Okay. And number three, I got Zion Williamson. Um, Zion Williamson is a, you know, unicorn offensive player. Guard height, big man body, guard athleticism, guard handles, and big man, not even big man, it's shack finishing. Right. He's very, <laughs> very, very, this is a very unorthodox player we're seeing right now. Um, I don't even think he knows completely how to dominate the game because of he has a unique skill set. I just think he knows what he's great at, and he just keeps doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they can't—they you know I mean? literally cannot stop it. It's crazy. It's—it's it's, yeah. it's crazy. They literally cannot stop it. They're there. Cleveland tried thirty-six. It's just—it's wild, man. I, you know, I watch—I watch all the Pelicans games. It's just they—they're trying to build walls. And he's just finding a way around it. And a lot of it is, I'll say a lot of it is that he knows exactly, it's the touch. It's like he gets an angle, he can get it off the exact part of the glass and make it go in. So I think also, I think what also helps him with the walls that he's smaller than Giannis. Like Giannis is very long. Ah, So it's harder for him to slip through bodies than it is for Zion. Zion can slip through. Like, you know how Wade and other guards uh, split doubles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zion can split a wall because he's he's smaller and he's more compact. He can so under he, you. He can under you. Yeah, he can able to get under, get in between. Giannis is very big and lengthy and, and built. Like, he, he's not going to be able to slip through nobody. Right. So, <laughs> you know, Zion, and I think Nikias was talking about that a bit in his article. Um, Zion just is better. Is better. He's better at getting to rim in closer quarters because of that. You know that ability to be able to slip and, yeah. and get in between guys. So yeah, it's gonna be man. He's he's a he's a like I said, he's a unicorn player truly because <laughs> he just has such a unique game. It's just gonna be interesting to see how it develops. But he's one of the three guys who I think is gonna define the next era of, of basketball. Same, same. He's, I got him up there, too. Um, all right. So, number two for me was Luca. It's just um, after a rough start, I, I, there haven't been, you know, six players playing better than him in the right. NBA. The past, like, he, he's been incredible, man. Mm-hmm. And then um, what notches it out for me is, uh, again, his, his moxie and big moments. He's just—he's a very clutch player. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to to teach. That's a skill that's hard to teach, man. You got—it takes a while to learn it, or you have it early. It just hasn't a feel for the game. Probably been playing. He's been playing pro since he was 16. I'm sure that helps. Uh, he's never overwhelmed by anything. Absolutely. And yeah, man, it's just hard. It's, it's hard to deny, you know, his impact. I hope my one fear, I think the offense is getting too hardeny, where it's like. Gonna give a, a all those. I think that's gonna bite him in playoff runs for years to come. So hopefully he steers away from that. A lot of that is the GM getting more better talent around him because the other guys around haven't played very well this season up until lately. Um, but yeah, I got Luca number two. Who you got number two? 
man, um, number two, I'm higher on him than most. It's kind of funny because I wasn't like two years ago. But oh, I don't know, like just watching him continuously grow, watching him grow, especially on the defensive end, really, I think that's what really impressed me the most, his defensive growth. And then seeing him grow offensively to be more composed, more a better, a better shot selection, also improving his playmaking. With him and Luca, I I see a lot of similarities. I've said this before. I see the similarities to LeBron and Melo. I, I really do see a lot of similarities with Tatum and Luca with Bron and Melo. I think, you know, whereas LeBron was the playmaker, uh, you know, the playmaker version got others involved, and Melo was a three level scorer. I think you kind of see that. Luca, the playmaker facilitator, who's also a great scorer. And then Tatum's more of the, you know, three-level scorer. But it's kind of reversed because, you know, Luka has Melo's defensive capability. <laughs> and Tatum right. has defensive capability. So it's just funny. But it's like in an era dominated by wing play, I have to take these two because they define wing play right, right. now for the young players. And uh, Tatum I have below because he still has struggled with playmaking. I still don't like some of his shot selection. The sidestep threes, man. Yeah, but like I said, like I was talking with Paul on the timeline, man, Tatum just has an unguardable shot. Yeah, step back. Because of his size and his, you know, his release point, he just has to be smarter with the shots he's taking. Yeah. But he has postseason success. He's not afraid of the big moments. He can lead a postseason run. That's the main thing. He's already shown he can lead. Eastern Conference Finals run. He's been on the brink of the finals multiple times. I mean, it's it's it won't be too long before he's in the finals, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just won't be too long. Yeah, I think long so. You look at the yeah, 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 I agree. You look at the timeline of some of the teams in the East, I think I, I think it's 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 gonna at least yeah, a, that's a couple I, years it's gonna re, it's gonna open up for him. That's why I said like that's why I have him at two, because the way it's just lined up for him. It's gonna be one of his. The league's gonna be part partly his soon. Uh, and I, like I said, Zion has a portion. Tatum has another portion. That and that's two for me. Hmm. Cool, cool. Number one for me uh, was Zion. And this is going forward because I probably would take you know Luca and Tatum over right now. Right. But I just this this is all projection as far as what guys at their ceiling. Yes. I just think. When the only person who's able to do what you've been doing is Shaquille O'Neal, I think that's got to open eyes at some point. I just uh, think he's the only guy averaging like 19 point paid points per game since Shaq, and and that was like in 2000 MVP season, and it was like, okay. Yeah, I think Giannis is the only one close. In yeah, that. Giannis is the only one close, and, and then I think he's got the. Only guy who's scored multiple games. Siakam's the only other one. Siakam did it twice this year. But only guy with multiple games with 30 points with no uh, no points outside the key. He's just like so paid. Now, when you're able to generate the easiest right. the easiest play in basketball at such a high rate, it, it feels like your dominance or arrival is inevitable. Right. And I think it's just – it's. I said it's honestly going to be up to David Griffin to just put just sensible help around him, and, yeah. they'll, and then they'll take off. Because you got a guy who just gets layups at that rate, 
you're just you're scoring so easily, and you're putting other teams in foul trouble at a point. You control the tempo of games. It feels like the wins are going to come just soon. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to be on that same level as Zion and Luka was, or Luca and Tatum, where he's going to be in play in the playoffs every year, eventually advancing and putting himself in a conversation for the best player in the league uh, eventually, along with you know Luca and Tatum. So. Number one for you ended up obviously ended up being Luca, right? Yeah, number one is Luca. You know, I have a I'm hard, you know, I'm hard on him only because I'm <laughs> him. But people don't actually understand I'm a Luca guy because that was who I picked to be the best player in the draft before the draft. Uh, I saw one tape of him and I automatically thought this guy was the best in the draft. Like I always tell people when I saw Luca's tape, I thought he was older than what he was. I did not know he was 19. I thought he was like 21 or 22. The way he was playing. And it, it obviously made sense that he was already playing pros for like three years in the hardest leagues in, in overseas, like MVP, right? MVP in those MVP, leagues, right? MVP, yeah. You know, what I mean, <laughs> like it's, I mean, prodigy through and through. So much similarities to LeBron, just straight prodigy hooper. Uh, he's like the overseas version, kind of like just pure dominance uh, offensively. He has the game figured out completely offensively. Um, this man should win multiple MVPs and championships. Yeah. <laughs> it really just comes down to how much effort is he going to put into the defensive end? Is he going to – is he – because there's a world where Tatum and Zion will be better than him if he doesn't take defense seriously. Like there's a there's absolutely a world where Tatum will be more accomplished and Zion will be more dominant if he doesn't take defense seriously and Zion does. So, you know, I mean, Tatum has already figured it out on both hands in terms of you know the effort he needs to put. He just has to improve his playmaking and, and get the title. Yeah, Zion and Luca got a long way to go on D man. <laughs> Luca, whoever figures it out first is the one who's going to be better. So. I want to say Luca will figure it out first only because his body is built for it in terms of how fit he is, uh, how you know he can pace himself. And he's also done better defensively this year already from what I've seen. Uh, I've seen you know people have said the Mavs have been improving. It hasn't been consistent, but there's been uh, some improvement here. Especially They've been very him. good as of late overall. They've been winning a lot. Uh, as of late overall, so like I said, man, the three those are the three guys who define who will define the era next era. Um, yeah, man, it's gonna be interesting to see who who can take it because I can see any three of them being the best player in the league or having it alternate. Uh, they just they all have everything I think you need to be the man. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was fun, man. Good, we went too far off, you know. That was fun, but interesting. Like I said, the overlying point is the amount of talent in the league, the young talent in the league, is just incredible, man. You got a possibly two more guys. You're gonna add at least two more guys. You added this this next draft, you know. In my opinion, in Cade and Jalen Green, and even other guys have high potential. Yeah, you can have Mobile too. You got Imani and Chet coming possibly in a couple years. So it's it's a lot, man. The the league is definitely going to the right direction, man. Hopefully, 
the way his cover gets a lot better, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> do these do these players justice? It's too right. much talent for us to have the lazy analysis that we right. did, man. Right. Like, we can't be focusing on five guys with the right. amount of talent we have. Dude. It's ridiculous. Right. All right, man. So today it was actually super fun. Um, I'm a love. I'm gonna be a history buff. Uh, this was right up my my childhood. They had a documentary on the 1996 uh, NBA draft. Um, it was dope, man. All guys talk about. Obviously, had a Kobe tribute. You know, R.I.P. Bean. But they had guys mm-hmm. on Iverson, uh, Marbury, Ray Allen, Nash, Peja, Ben Wallace. All those guys we interviewed talk about the experience of going through that draft. You know, Marcus Camby, Abdul Rahim, Derek Fisher. Um, and it got me thinking. So the three the three most heralded draft classes of all time are, you know, 84, uh, 96, and 2003. Um, in your opinion, which one is the best? Because it's, it's, it's weird because 96 has the depth, but I think 84, you know, Aside from Kobe, those the four big names, the three big names taken are better than pretty much most of the list. So it's about depth or, or to the top. Same with the 2003. You know, Brian, Melo, Wade, and Bosh went in the top of that draft. 96, you got AI, Kobe, Ray Allen, Nash, Peja, Marbury. There was a, I think there's a lot of good pros. Yeah, Ben, ben Wallace, Abdul Rahim, Marcus Camby, yeah. And at the end, you even got, you know, Big Z, Antoine Walker, and Derek Fisher going, you know, later. So, in your opinion, real quick, before we get out of here, greatest draft class of all time, out of those three, who you got? I'm biased. I'm going with 84 because 84. I have, they have Akeem Wadawan yeah. and Michael Jordan. I think that in those two in itself is good enough. Yeah, ended up well. Chuck actually went a couple picks later, and then Chuck too, obviously. But you and John, know, just, and John Stockton went 18th. John, you see what I'm saying? Like just, <laughs> hey man, I gotta go 84. 84. I go 84 at the top. Depth wise, I go I go 96. Man, you got a lot of Hall of Famers. Man, AI, Kobe, uh, Ray Allen, Nash, Ben Wallace. You know. I'm going to be a little controversial. I actually don't think 03 is as good as everybody says it is. You know what? I was just going to say that. I looked at it before talking <laughs> to the think... chat. So after that, you know, after that top four, you know who the best players are after that top four? TJ Ford. <laughs> Barbosa, uh, Kendrick Perkins, and Josh Howard. Oh, man. That's the best player that, after that, that big four. Right? Those are some solid guys, yeah. mind you, but you know what I'm saying? But those are role plays. You yeah, know I mean? right, right. They didn't, they don't, no, not the star power, same star power. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, anyway, I just – go ahead. I said 96 definitely have more star power than than that 03 yeah, overall. The, the funniest story I heard, uh, apparently Ben Wallace was really pissed that he didn't get drafted. Everybody was telling him he was too small. He said he was lifting weights every day, and he was going through reps. Instead of counting them out, he would say the name of the players I would draft it. And that was pretty hilarious to me. I didn't know that he was that upset about not getting drafted. And I was like, boy, that's why he's so strong. Yeah, I said he got strong as hell, man. He was locking everyone up. That was was probably the funniest story. I I, I never heard how pissed he was about not being 
you know, you see, that, see how special that class was. I mean, Ben didn't even get drafted. Right. That's arguably the greatest defender of all time. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at 03 compared to 96 and 84, I honestly just don't think it's there, man. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, 03 kind of overrated. That's true. All right, man, we just wanted to tap in. If y'all get a chance, man, please, that 96 documentary, man, in the history, this is dope, man. You get to see guys in real time talking about where their hair was, the trades, and all that. So definitely tap in that if you get a chance. Anyway, hit follow, subscribe on the podcast. Appreciate the feedback. Follow it's Kingsboro on Twitter. Myself, JJ mm-hmm. 55 underscore uh, MST. Before we get out of here, uh, I'm a little older than Kings. He probably still rocking, you know, RIP DMX, man, for sure, man. Yes, that was, that, that's a part of my Sorry, childhood, man. man. Every high school we played against came out to some type of DMX in the warm-up playlist, man. So RIPX, man. Rest in power, man. Yes, sir. Never be forgotten, ever. Never, never. Appreciate y'all. Clock in and be safe. We out of here. Yes, sir. Peace, y'all. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.